Welcome to the God is Love and So Are You podcast. I'm your host, Divinefulness Mary. Divinefulness is your sacred self empowered by your higher power's love. I'm an author, life coach, and survivor of childhood sexual abuse who has conquered post-traumatic stress. On Easter, God's love overwhelmed me and compelled me to create this podcast, a multi-faith mission to remind you how much God loves you and invite you to deepen your relationship with Him. Our guest today is Deaconess Catherine and Sarah. She's the manager of faith and community relations with Kids Above All, a United Affiliate Nonprofit. She first experienced God's profound love during college throughout life's hardships, which include a marriage that challenged her faith and lifelong vocation in the church that has also guided her throughout her life. First, we'll find out a little bit about the deaconess and it's her third year anniversary, so congratulations. And then we'll listen to her uh, Bible verse that she finds very inspiring. And she'll be reading that to us and talk to us about her, you know, her own story. So Deaconess, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show and congratulations again on your 30 year anniversary. Thank you, Mary. It's great to be here. Okay. So um, just wanted to get a little bit of idea of, um, you know, your background, if you could just tell us where you were born, raised, and where do you live now, as well as your spiritual background. Sure, I'd love to. Um, Well, I was born and raised in Park Ridge, Illinois, which is uh, a northwest suburb about 30 minutes from the city of Chicago. And actually, we live very close to O'Hare Airport. Right. So we we hear a lot of planes. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a family of seven children. I'm the third of seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first four children are girls (laughs) and the last three children are boys in that order. And we uh, are nine and a half years apart in age. So we were born very close to one another. And my mom and dad raised us uh, at a progressive parish called Mary Seat of Wisdom. So I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. And it was very a very rich community. Um, I went to school there. We knew one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shared in, in liturgy and um, service projects and fun events mm-hmm. uh, that really, really influenced me for my love of God and neighbor. Um, I was always taught the tallest in my family. I'm six feet tall. And not even my dad was six feet tall. So... By the time I was 13, I was six feet tall. Wow. And so I, I kind of stood out and that was great. And yet it was a little awkward for me too, mm. you know, as a little girl and a young, a young woman. Um, but I come from um, a family that is rich in tradition of, um, well, with church and with the community and family traditions based on my father's Italian side and my mother's. French, Canadian, Austrian, somewhat Italian side. Um, So family was very, very important to all of us. And then finding your place in the family, that's a a lifelong journey. And there are 23 grandchildren, although my niece died in 2019. Um, Thank you for her struggle with um, addiction and alcohol. So that was a huge loss for us. And uh, there are four great grandchildren with one more on the way. So even though my father is deceased, mm-hmm. um, Bob, I live in the very room I grew up in, in Park oh, Ridge so cool. with my mom <laughs> and she's 86. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm 25 years younger than her. Mm-hmm. And I am literally living in the bedroom I grew up in. So it is cool. And it's a little weird. Well, yeah, I guess it would be. <laughs> yeah. But I believe bloom where you're planted. And it is a safe place to land for my daughters. Madeline lives in New York City and Celia Marie lives in Paris, France. Ooh, nice. And so as you can imagine, during the pandemic, I haven't been able to see them. Uh, so I'm grateful for technology, uh, but I'm really yearning to hug them and talk with them and eat oh, with them and, you know, get to love all over them. And they love my mom. So they land here and it's their home. Um, as we'll talk about a little bit, my having gone through um, a Nothing's divorce. Nothing's like grandma love. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. And grandma's cooking mm-hmm. and my mom's really a phenomenal, a phenomenal woman. Um, so that's, that's really, really great. And I'm looking forward to them coming home later this summer. I told them you have to come home. I can't stand it. Uh, I need to be with you, but I, yet I feel the somewhat the pain that uh, people go through without being able to see their loved ones. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful they're well, and I'm grateful I'm well and healthy and that hopefully God willing, we'll have this opportunity to spend some time together. Uh, but, but, but this, during this pandemic, it's been a very different um, experience, Mary, being separated from my children and literally can't go see them where it's typically a, a nice trip. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have to put my big girl shoes on when I have to go all the way across the ocean. Um, it's, it's that feeling of being more in solidarity with people, especially women, mothers, those who right. mother, um, to not I'm be sure it's able to been be difficult for your grandmother. Yeah. Well, yes, I'm here with her and, um, she's, uh, we've done a lot of family zooms mm-hmm. and now that things are opening up, you know, people can drop by and this and that, but we, we, I've never spent so much time with my mother alone one-on-one. So it's really a gift. But, and yet there's this thing about, but I can't be with my own kids. Um, So I pray, I pray a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I had, I've had this incredible time with my mom that Mm -hmm. I, who would have known. And uh, it's, it's a blessing because she, Mm -hmm. she is 86 and you know, that day will come. So it just living, living in that space and moving through it and keep reframing um, which is why I like, this particular uh, scripture mm-hmm. um, that has brought more meaning to, for my life and calling, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 3.16. Uh, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Oh, it's beautiful. So let me just say it one more time. It's, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And the, the, the thought of God's spirit dwelling in me is so empowering and comforting. Mm-hmm. And the reminder that indeed I am, you are, we are God's temple. Oh gosh, if we could all live embracing that, oh. the world would be, gosh, so much kinder and gentler and compassionate. Absolutely. So I, I do treasure that particular scripture and I, I treasure it even more because when I was in the local church doing family and youth ministry, mm-hmm. one of our members named Ruth, who died last, just last summer at the age of almost 103. Wow. Yeah. 
she would share that scripture with the students and the confirmation students. I would always invite her in to talk with them because they would listen to her. And she, she said that was, that formed her since she was four years old. And she lived a very faithful life, not without its troubles and hardship, Mm -hmm. but she was such a big support of my ministry and of the families. And she would share that. And so for her hundredth birthday, I made a little decorative card Mm -hmm. with that scripture um, on the occasion of celebrating Ruth Hannah's 100th birthday in 2017. Thank you for your faith, Ruth. And that was the card we gave out to everybody to mm-hmm. celebrate her birthday. And maybe, Beautiful. like me, tape it to their window or their mirror oh. and have it to remind them that indeed God's spirit dwells in us. And that's a much, just a much healthier, uh, wealthier, wiser way to live as people of faith, even if you're struggling with the hardships and whether or not you believe. Um, that that's just so beautiful. So yeah, God's spirit dwelling in us as God's temple and created in the image of God um, is something we all need to be reminded of. Definitely. Cause we all have that negative self talk and we beat up on ourselves constantly. And yeah, that, that's, that's a wonderful scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing that it also is meaningful to me is because uh, when my father was living, he had to have um, dialysis and uh, he was, he was um, diagnosed with multiple myeloma. And at one point he was doing peritoneal, di- peritoneal dialysis at home. So you have to hook into this cycler and it's this whole system that literally kept him alive. And so I thought, Hmm, it fills, it dwells. And it empties. So all night long, my father plugged into this machine. Mm-hmm. It would fill the liquid, fluid, then dwell in him, mm-hmm. and then empty. And that would repeat. And I, 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 I just that word "dwell" is so powerful to me. Wow. So with that scripture that God's Spirit dwells in you, mm-hmm. and this fluid and this this equipment was literally keeping my father alive, but also the love of God and his childlike faith um, Mm -hmm. and the love of our family. Right. Of course. Um, It's that whole idea of that dwelling that I just, it really fascinates me. So um, if you could tell us a little bit about your uh, profound experience that you, uh, that you mentioned to me earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. So I, um, I met my former husband in about 1987. Actually, we crossed paths because we had known each other in high school. So it was 10 years after high school and we ran into each other. And then a year later, we got married. And it, it was really a very nice uh, love well, story. If we could go to the... Um your, your college experience first, because it's the, um, sure. If you could, you know, tell us about your experience with God's profound love. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, well, I, I went to Illinois state university in 1978 to 1983. Mm -hmm. I got my undergrad and my graduate. I just followed my two older sisters there. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was far enough from home, but not too far. And it was affordable. 
Um, so once there, um, I studied, but I also got very involved with the Newman Center. And that was for Catholic um, campus ministry. And this uh, very cool priest and nun, Father Joe and Sister Marilyn, uh, were partners in campus ministry. And I just, I just got, you know, hook, line and sinker. I learned about social justice. I learned about liturgical dance and I'd already been a dancer. We'd had some great Bible studies and meals and hanging out. So it really, really enhanced my college experience because I was kind of lost. You know, I just, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I loved being on my own and studying. Um, So while there, we got an opportunity to go to Sumter, South Carolina on a mission trip. And I'd never been on a mission trip. And so going on this mission trip to um, a United Methodist church. So I was Catholic at the time, but here was this little church. Mm -hmm. And we went there and we slept in it. I think we slept in the church. We went to people's homes for showers. Mm -hmm. They had a soup kitchen, which was all soul food, which I just loved and ate way too much. (laughs) Um, We helped scrape and paint a house. We did a trip to Charleston. We learned a little bit about the slave trade in the South. And we sang in a gospel choir that was just rocking. Oh my God. So cool. I just love watching them singing in a gospel choir. Yeah. That must've been amazing. Well, that's where I learned blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's where I learned his hope is, his hope is nothing else, but anyway, and, and, and uh, run the race, keep the faith. My change will come my change will come. These old heavy burdens will soon pass away. All my trials and tribulations will soon pass away. Oh, if I can hold out. I mean, these were songs that just touched me, right? And I was just used to singing in the choir with white kids. Um, This was just beloved community. And we, we sang on Mother's Day and all the women had hats on. Uh, then we had a concert, and that's where I was asked to um, officiate communion mm-hmm. uh, during that concert event. And I was like, me? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, why me? And I don't know why it was me, but there I was officiating over communion. Oh, you were communion. Like a student leader at campus ministry? No. Well, I, I was a leader in a sense with Robert Bellarmine Newman Center, but we, we were all in it together. I don't know. Maybe it was because I was tall. Maybe it's because I had a loud voice. I, I don't know, but there I was. And I have one picture of it. Um, somebody captured it, but I just remember feeling very moved, very stirred up, like, wow, I like this. Um, it felt, it felt good. And yet it felt awkward. Um, but in the context of that mission trip, all those people who I still know some of them, um, some of the people from the church in Sumter have died, but we actually brought them up to Bloomington, normal Illinois, and they sang in a choir up by us. So we did, you know, the exchange thing. Um, But for my first mission experience, it was very eye opening. Mm -hmm. It was really touching to my heart, but it was also kind of confusing too. I, I wasn't sure what to do with all those feelings um, and those experiences, but I do remember coming home, Mary, and on the way home yeah. in the rural area, a huge, there was a storm and a huge rainbow. <gasps> oh, wow. Yes. 
Wow. We, we were in the car, we're looking out and there's this huge rainbow. And we were like, okay, this is totally, totally God. It's like something from out of a movie. Yes, but it was real. It was very, very real. Oh. And, um, you know, when I hear someone sing Blessed Assurance, I hear it mm-hmm. singing with that choir. And they were just down to earth, ordinary people oh. singing in the choir, making, you know, making noise for God. Uh, out of their love and gratitude for Jesus. And, um, and then it turns out I end up in a Methodist church and a Methodist deaconess. I didn't even know what Methodist was in 1982. Yeah. Wow. It's, but it sounds like they provided such a sense of community to mm-hmm. allow you to just be your, be yourself. Right. And that's what Newman was all about. You could be there as you know gay or straight blessed or broken uh, knowing what you were going to do in life not the whole idea was to you know experience that you know liberating liberation that liberating love um through our faith and whether it was food you know music dance liturgy leadership service um bible study uh protesting um you know that was when the no nukes no nukes march happened. Yeah. In New York, I was there. I marched for the no nuclear weapons. Um, so th- th- it was a very formative time. I'm a big fan of campus ministry, especially when it is welcoming and inclusive and healing. Right. Empowering. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the, the challenge that um, your faith brought to your marriage? Yeah. Well, as I said, I met Matthew in 19, we crossed paths in 1987, but I knew him in high school. So this was 10 years later and we ran into each other and I was like, wow. This when is... was this in relation to when you were in college? Um, it was about four years, three years later. Okay. Three years after you graduated. Oh, and actually, yeah, he went to the same college. We, we occasionally saw each other on campus, mm-hmm. having known each other in high school but nothing more than that. Right. Yeah. And then, and then I moved back up to Park Ridge where I live now mm-hmm. uh, in between um, working in Bloomington Normal with the crisis line. I moved up here to work with the nonprofit and high risk schools. Right. And then I ran into Matthew and we were like, oh my goodness. And then we went on a date and then got married. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I thought I was like, I was 28. I thought I was old enough. I knew everything and uh, not really, but we were good friends and we were married and we were making our home and our lives. And he was, he was reconnecting with his mom. We had been estranged from, he had been estranged from his father. I never met him until he died. Um, he loved my family. My family loved him. Um, so, you know, so we were doing the married thing. We were doing the work thing, going out a lot. Uh, even dinner out, you know, and then eventually buying a home mm-hmm. and the home ended up being in Park Ridge. My mom was a realtor mm-hmm. and there was just this home. And since we were both from Park Ridge, oh. it was like, well, let's give this a try. Mm-hmm. And then we had our children, mm-hmm. girls, and that was 1992, 1994. Uh, and then I was, I was doing in-home child care, working for the park district. Um, 
Then I worked for my brother who had a restaurant in town. So it allowed me to be home during the day, work at night, right. make some cash, but also a little paycheck and, mm-hmm. you know, just, and, and do those things. And I believed in that. And I believed it was good for him, um, uh, kind of healing from trauma, his own trauma. Um, but again, you know, marriage is a dance and it's hard to communicate. Um, there are misunderstandings. So I knew that, but we, we would see a therapist from time to time and our church community at the Methodist church was super fun and very embracing of us. Um, so he was a church goer. He went to church with you with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he had a lot of struggles with God. He was very angry with God. Mm. Um, he was part of a men's group, but it, it wasn't faith-based. It was actually a lot of divorced men. And that was a little, I was a little concerned about that. Mm. Um, but it was support for him. But you couldn't talk about it, but it, it was support for him. But basically we, we did a lot of being a family and being a couple, um, but at about the 22 year mark, when our daughter went to college, we dropped her off. He had already told me that he was thinking of leaving. And wow. I, I, was, I was like, uh, he said, I'm just thinking about it. And I was like, okay, that's really bad. So we saw our therapist <clears throat> and mm-hmm. he informed me that he wasn't happy. And that he loved me, but he wasn't in love with me anymore. Mm. I was incredible. I was remarkable, but he didn't want to be married to me anymore. <clears throat> so it was, it was very um, stunning and sad for me. Mm. I, I really wasn't sure what was going on, Mary. I mean, it, when I look back, it's bizarre and very, very sad. And so through that summer of 20. 10, I was holding it together because my girls didn't know. Oh, right, right. In fact, we had had a family reunion on my side mm-hmm. that June of 2010. And my husband at the time and the girls, they were, they were doing that mm-hmm. skylining thing. And he took off his ring and said, can you hold this for me? I don't want to lose it or have it get you know, caught on the ropes and I oh, put it in my sense. pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I put it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. However, later I went down to this little beach and I laid down looking at the lake. Mm-hmm. And when I went back up for dinner, I checked my pocket. The ring was gone. Oh no. Yeah. It fell out of my pocket and I was petrified. And I was like, Matthew, And, uh, it was a little beach. It wasn't big. And he, he was going to go to the store and buy one of these little, um, machines that you look for metal or something. Oh, metal detector. Yeah. But I said, well, let's go to the bar. Let's ask them if they have something back there. And sure enough, someone had one. And I said, okay. Oh, the smart. Yeah. And we went down and we found it. Thank God. Yeah, I was like, thank God. But see, this is when he was already telling oh, this me. This is after he, he told you he was thinking about it. So I, I gave him a big hug. I was like, oh, yay, I'm so glad we found it. I can't believe that happened. 
I figured it was a good sign. Yeah. But it was later that summer after our daughter went to college. It was Labor Day weekend. I, I don't have good Labor Days um, weekends. Um, it was actually Labor Day weekend when he told me first that he loved me. And then it was Labor Day weekend when he said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. So I figure it's from labor to labor and a lot in between. And uh, so we started on this journey of this controlled separation. I think he was trying to be nice about leaving. Um, he was like, what are people going to think of me? He, was, he said, my family loves you more than they love me. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. His mother had died, so she was gone. Right. She's the youngest. And he just didn't want to do that anymore. So by that November, we had, we had to tell the girls, they were very upset. In fact, they don't really even still want to talk about it. Mm. Um, they were very upset. And our therapist, I said, we have to go to the therapist for this with them. And they said, well, dad can leave for a while, but he has to come back. Mm. Yeah, but he chose not to. So okay. then it was full on, he had moved out and then it was full on, he didn't want to be married. And then he was doing his own thing. And it's that shocking feeling of this person doesn't have my back anymore. Mm. This person that I've been with, well, 22. Wow. And by the time the divorce happened, it was 24 and a half. Mm. But there was, you know, that two year period of him being gone, mm-hmm. me living in our home, right, going from four to three to two people. Thankfully, we had our mm-hmm. dog. I started working full time in a church, even though I had left my other church position. Mm-hmm. I felt that was divine intervention calling me to serve and work full time in a church that at the time had the financial ability to pay me full-time with benefits, but I was, that was the first time I was full-time in a long time. Wow. And it was very scary because I felt so vulnerable and I was so sad and I was going in as Mrs. Peterson, but I wasn't. Mm. And then I was, then I was in Sarah Peterson, but I'd say, just call me Miss Catherine. And then dropped the Peterson to be mm-hmm. Catherine and Sarah, my birth name. Right. And leaving my home, my, my youngest daughter going to college. I moved in with my mom and, and in there mm-hmm. I had, I came across a little devotion, you know, a little devotional book. Mm-hmm. And it said, trust God 10 minutes at a time. Wow. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can do that. 10 minutes at a time. That is so wise. I love that. Yeah. And I tell, I tell people that now, Mary, I have some friends going through divorce. It's very painful to see, but I know I've been through it and I've come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. Trust me, there's still sadness and I, I'm not hundred percent in the mm-hmm. forgiveness field. Uh, I have to really give that over to God. Um, but 10 minutes at a time. I could go in and teach because I was a substitute teacher and be fine and come out and get in my car and cry and go home. Right. But I did it. And then a little bit longer, 20 minutes at a time, a day at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even now when I 
when I have challenging times, I'm like, okay, trust God 10 minutes at a time. And um, so many people have blessed me and uh, supported me and encouraged me to be um, loving, forgiving. And I've done a lot of outreach to the man I used to be married to, Mm -hmm. connecting us at least with our daughters. But basically, um, I, I feel that he has dismissed me um, in a really, uh, just a, a very disturbing way as the mother of his children. But it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. I was divorced in January of 2013. Standing before that judge, I cried the whole time. Aww. Talk about standing in front of a judge. Ugh. It's awful. Yeah, it's heartbreaking enough just experiencing it and then to do it in public in a courtroom, I cannot imagine. Yeah, with this man, this person, oh, I had three adversary. girlfriends with yeah, me. Your lifelong, former lifelong partner is now your adversary. Yeah. Oof, gosh. And he was mostly happy about it. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't happy like dancing for joy, but it's what he wanted. Right, right. Um, so that was not good. Uh, my dad was still living and... That was January of 2013, and my father died March of 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a blessing because he had been in a lot of pain. Uh, and having lived 17 years after his initial anal- uh, di- um, di- diagnosis of multiple myeloma, we were just super over- overly blessed by um, the good people, good doctors, medicine, technology, my mother, family, prayers, holy water, you name it. Right. And, and his will to live, his desire, will to live, his, his just stubborn Italian blood <laughs> and his face. Um, but it was sad when he died and my husband wasn't there for me. All my other siblings had their spouses and mm. I didn't have one. Um, my dad was very hurt and angry by what happened. And oh, it was cool. too hard for him to talk about. Um, so yeah, it's been a while and there is, there is the power of healing and I have been, um, the work I've been doing, the ministry, my daughters are well, I just love them to the moon and back. I always remind them, work your plan, do your best, light a candle and your health and well-being is the most important, especially now during this pandemic when I can't even be with them, you know, and they're funny and they're talented and they, they, they do appreciate family and family connections and um, they do welcome me into their lives as their cookie mom. Um, <laughs> but it, it brings me joy to be their mom, you know. Um, but it was hard going through a divorce because that was very, um, <sighs> what's the word? I don't, I don't want to use the word embarrassing. Um, it was just really awful to be their mother and not, and their father not wanting me. Right. And then mm-hmm. having, but I, I didn't, I, I, I was careful to not express so much anger as my sadness. They, they knew it. They could see it. Um, but then I had to go about my day. I had to go to work, you know, um, and then eventually you, you kind of start telling your story to people. Right. 
Um, yeah, that's really strange. I mean, he just all of a sudden says, I don't think I want to be married anymore. And without any indication before that, that, um, well, you know, again, there's miscommunication, there's tension in any relationship and our inability to fully maybe express that and get over the hump. Because at one point I said, I said, what about the girls? And he said, well, it'll hurt, but they'll get over it. But that's, that's what happened in his life too. Oh, and you know, he was like, there are consequences to everything, Catherine. I just remember that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm standing there like in, wow. in shock. And I was like, yeah, but Matthew, come on. Uh, can't we do this? He said, no, I don't want to, I don't want to work that hard. So he had discovered other things mm-hmm. and other ways. And he had worked very hard. He cared for our family. And I'm so grateful that he does love his daughters and they love him. Yeah, they have their fa- yeah father daughter stuff, and I I had to I had to keep taking steps back from that Mary because I miss so much us us being a family unit, and now they did all this stuff with their dad I didn't know about, yeah. and and there I am. Um, so I didn't imagine this for my life. But then again, I didn't ever imagine marrying him. And then there it was. And, um, I keep learning about myself and my, the role that I play in, in relationships. Um, I, I'd love to be, have a partner, but I don't, um, it's really hard at this age, really. Um, and there's always that sadness of what could have been you know, when we come to a crossroads, which way you go. But do you find that that experience has helped you counsel um, married couples that are going through a difficult time? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm very transparent. And when someone tells me they're going through a divorce, my I say, oh, I hate divorce. I hate it. Are you sure? You know, and <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then but I do, I, I definitely counseled them based on my experience and the truth that I know and the healing that can come. People would tell me that, Catherine, you'll get to a point where you won't cry. You'll even get to a point where you won't remember the date you were divorced. Hmm. So I, I almost forgot it this year, but I did remember it. I, I, I remember dates. I remember places. I remember the food we ate. Um so yeah, those memory things are something that we need to take a look at and cherish the good ones, the blessings, and, you know, just keep handing over to God, you know, these other ones for that healing. Um, and I hope and pray to God that my girls meet just the, the most fantastic person um, that they can have a you know, beautiful relationship, maybe a marriage with, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to think of them having their hearts hurt, broken, but it will happen. And, um, then we learn more and hopefully right. strengthen for, um, other relationships and not right. just hopefully, all hopefully intimate that relationships will happen before they get married. Yes. And, you know, yes. Yes. And boyfriend, yeah. girlfriend relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, I live in a community with lots of families, lots of young parents and kids. And I think back now at my age, Mm -hmm. I think back, oh, wow. Yeah. I know what can happen, you know? And so I'm just, 
as much as I can encourage them and love them and learn their names and talk to the kids, that's where I, I, I'm here, bloom where I'm planted. They all have big houses. They have two, three kids. I mean, they got a lot going on. Um, so I can't be religious really, but <laughs> I can be loving and funny. And, you know, you bring cookies. I give little gifts, talk to people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it is that experience of, com- of community that helps us feel a sense of belonging and it's in our families, it's in our work, it's in all our different circles, including the, the neighborhood. Um, so I admire them. It takes a lot of courage to raise children, especially these days. Oh, good God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And then um, I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you had a, um, a family member that was lost to um, addiction. Yeah. Um, her name, her name is Chrissy. She would have actually had a birthday this Thursday. Oh. Um, I know that's going to be very hard for my sister and the family. Um, I think Chrissy would have been 35 a beautiful, beautiful young woman, incredibly beautiful singing voice. Um, so what would your advice be to a family that's, um, it has, you know, someone like Chrissy Mm -hmm. that's struggling with, uh, with addiction right now, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them? Uh, I would tell them to stand up and speak up to help their, that person rise up to overcome it, um, to not be afraid of whatever might get in the way from pride to lack of information, anger, fear. Um, Yes, you must get help for yourself as parent and uh, family member Mm -hmm. and pray without ceasing for divine intervention for that loved one uh, to know that one, there is help two, they can get through it, three, that they are created in the image of God and are a beloved child of God, mm-hmm. and that there's nothing, nothing that um, uh, can get in the way of God loving them, whether they believe in God or not. And I, can, I can't speak from my own direct personal experience with mm-hmm. my own children. It's my, do- my, my sister's child. Um, there's just so much pain and regret and sadness that whatever you can do now, the resources, the intervention, the praying, the trusting in God, the trusting in God 10 minutes at a time, um, to not be afraid of that addiction, but to lean into it with the person, um, and with others, you have to have wraparound support, um, I had a few encounters with my niece and tried uh, with a book, you know, with prayer beads. Um, And yet I think I I didn't, I didn't believe I had the authority to do that much more. Mm. And and yet I I did. Oh, Um, I thought by that you meant that, you know, she would only, you know, allow you to, you know, talk to her about it for a certain time um, and just kind right. of certain issues. Right. 
Right. But then I just stepped back from it. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. And, and she lived in New York when my daughter moved there and she was going to be that older cousin for my daughter. And it flipped the other way. My daughter became like a helper for her. That's when it all started and, and Mm -hmm. way too much to go into. And my daughter would call and say, mom, I can only do that. What can, you know, it was confusing. I said, Madeline, you do as much as you can. Right. Right. And then, and then you pray for her and you know, the family is involved in this and that. Uh, But it's just, it's such a tragic loss of life and pain for the family. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's nothing else you can do. I know Al-Anon and Alcoholics Anonymous and, you know, I know trauma-informed therapy. Uh, I know the person has to hit rock bottom. Um, But too many young people are being lost to mental illness and alcohol and addiction. And um, I don't know, we just have to be a part of taking the snakes off of them and doing it in a way that is so empowering. It's, it's the, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Whether you believe that or not, believing takes practice. Exactly. Madeline, Madeline Langle says that. I had that on a business card for a while, Mary, because of that 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. That was my business card. Believing takes practice, Madeline Langle. And so no one, just people should not be lost to addiction. It's just, it's just an awful disease. And then it leaves those, especially my sister, like the mother and her, and her husband, the father. So sad. Can't imagine what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have any answers really. I just, I know that love does win. And to lean into this stuff instead of being afraid of it, right? We have continuously yeah. lean into it during this pandemic, if nothing else. Hopefully, we've learned that by the grace of God. And community um, support. Like, um, I mean, I have relatives myself who are, um, you know, members of Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, been sober. Um, let's see. It's more than 25 years. Cause I remember a few years ago, he celebrated 25 years being sober. Mm-hmm. So there's just that, that sense of community, whether it's church or outside of church, right. Um, you know, in a group like that in your right. community at home, just the more support everywhere and right. have it, you know, in the family, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, just be just one big well, not necessarily happy. Nobody's happy all the time. Right, right. To be one big, caring, loving family and, you know, and say, I'm here for you. I love you. Right. And you're beautiful, wonderful, um, you know, and it just pains me to see you hurting. You know, mm-hmm. tell me where it hurts. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Mm-hmm. And that's the essence of, of peace. And transformation mm-hmm. to, to be able to be vulnerable like that, to be accepted and to experience this healing that all human beings deserve. Um, so I, I struggle with how I can support my sister and her family. There's another baby coming, another granddaughter coming any day. Oh. And so the little ones bring great joy 
Um, Definitely. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, leaning, leaning into that. Um, but yeah, our family has not been a stranger to many traumatic experiences. And I do really, I'm very grateful to my parents for raising us in the church in such a loving community. And I just, I bought into it. I kind of loved God like early on. I was baptized at two weeks. I didn't know anything. But oh, when I made my communion, I was so excited. <laughs> and the confirmation, you know, and then I taught confirmation and I'm a confirmation mentor right now for a girl at my church. Uh, I'm talking to girls in our group homes, the ones that ask about their faith and their identity and their, you know, I can, that's something I get to do. That's such an honor to accompany them um, because others have done that for me. I can't imagine what it's like for a young person growing up now. It's just incredibly stressful and, and, you know, kids, everyone really can be so cruel and, and uh, right. Right. But again, if, if we frame our leadership and our parenting, our adulting, our work with that scripture, do you not know you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? Exactly. Exactly. And on that note, um, why don't you tell us about your nonprofit, the kids above all that United Methodist affiliated nonprofit. Sure. Sure. I'd love to. Um, So I'm the manager of faith and community relations I am a deaconess and it's, uh, we started as a Methodist deaconess orphanage in 1894 for European immigrant children who were orphaned. Mm -hmm. And our foundress, Lucy Ryder Meyer and her husband opened the orphanage responding to the needs of the children of the time. So we have continued now in our 127th year building better lives for kids. And she is a, or was a contemporary of Jane uh, Jane Adams. Yes, yes. Lucy and Jane were contemporaries and they helped to create the whole social worker uh, role. It's just Lucy wanted to do more Christian formation. Mm-hmm. Jane was a humanitarian. Right. Uh, they caught a lot of flack for their friendship, but they said, too bad. We like each other. We're doing this. Um, so I take, uh, you know, uh, if we think of our cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's so empowering. So I do all our outreach uh, to churches and community groups. Like tomorrow I'm speaking to a Rotary Club. I talk to a Girl Scout group, a troop. Um, I preach and I teach and I talk. Um, just a lot of outreach to build our partnerships right. as agency that's Methodist affiliated, founded, and then, and then a way to build better lives to stand up for our kids. And that's from foster kids. That's from actually zero to 24 years of age. So we have early childhood education and prevention uh, programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have foster care and adoption. Uh, We have our group homes. Uh, We have housing and assistance um, for young adults, 19 to 24, getting them on their feet, getting them working and training and therapy. Um, that's. We have a camp for a grief camp for children who have lost a loved one to homicide. Beautiful. It's called Camp Sheila. Um, doing a lot in Cook County, Lake County, Kane County, and DuPage County. Mm-hmm. And so I'm part of our resource development team. I get to be kind of the church lady uh, representing <laughs> our legacy. Uh, it's not like the whole agency is Methodist. We're very diverse, very, very diverse, as are our clients. 
Yeah. So our, 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 our mission is building better lives for children. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that 10 minutes at a time. Right. If you really ponder building better lives for children, there's a whole mm-hmm. lot that goes into that. that and our, our um, zero to 24, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time, but mm-hmm. that's, there, that's, there's, there's a lot of need for that. Yes. Uh, unfortunately so, but we are responding to the needs of children and families in these times, as did our foundress and the deaconesses and all the people who had deep pockets and big hearts to uh, ensure that we had the orphanage Mm -hmm. and that we then moved forward. Uh, Kids Above All is our sixth name in 127 years. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any events coming up? Yes, we just finished our mom and me diaper drive. Um, And in June, June 24th, we have our stand up for kids comedy night. Um, We're almost decided we're all we've almost decided if we're doing it in person or not, I think sometime this week. Uh, But that's this is our fourth annual, which is super fun. We have um, comedians, kids above all dot org. And I'm assuming you have an events. um, Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, or you could email me, um, my, my first initial C, Catherine with a C, and my last name is in Sarah, I-N-S is in Sam, E-R-R-A, at kidsaboveall.org. So it's a little bit long, but it's just first initial last name at kidsaboveall.org. And I love to email. I love to email, you know, I'm pretty good (laughs) at responding. (laughs) Okay, great. I will, you know, put the website and your email in the show notes. Oh, great. For people to find it. Thank you, Deaconess Catherine, for sharing your inspiring scripture and perseverance stories about your personal challenges. Thank you also for Madeline Langle's beautiful quote, Believing Takes Practice. I absolutely love that. It's so true. And thank you. What's that God quote again? Trust God 10 minutes at a time. Trust God 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. That saved my sorry butt. Really. It, it really gave me that sense that God was with me in this. You know, there was no judgment. There was no hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just a very hard life experience. Right, right. That, um, we, all, we all need that grace that is given. And to just frame it for 10 minutes at a time was really life-giving. Please take a moment today to remember how God has lifted you up over the years and consider deepening your relationship with him. And remember to take care of God's precious gift, you. Thank you for listening to the God is Love and So Are You podcast. Join me next Monday for more about God's passionate love for you. Subscribe now and find out more about the nonprofit Kids Above All at kidsaboveall.org or email Deaconess Catherine at cinsarah at kidsaboveall.org. That's C-I- and as a Nancy, S is Sam, E-R-R-A, at kidsaboveall.org. And you'll find that information in the show notes.